0: We're, uh, so we're in a series in the book of first Samuel and we started this several weeks ago and we're going to carry it till the end of July um, it's called David flawed human Holy God and so the uh, the story of David in the scripture in the Old Testament it's it's the longest story of any biblical character uh, that there is and there's a ton of different, life events that David goes through that is recorded in the scripture. And what we learn about David, I just want to be so clear, and we've been clear about this all the way through this series, is that David is a really flawed person, okay? So he was this great man of God. and We are on a flight path, by the way. So we just we get blessed every couple minutes or so with these uh, planes going by. We're right on the flight path. I was, just, I was wondering, actually, earlier, I was standing here and I was thinking, I don't know if you've ever flown in or out of Thunder Bay, but you can always look down and see as you're coming. And so... They get to kind of see, and I wonder what people are wondering about what's happening here in this neighborhood as they fly over. Um, so anyways, the, uh, so David's this very flawed person, uh, but he has this very real relationship with God. And so we get to learn a lot about who God is through David's relationship with him. And David's story is really encouraging to us because he's a lot like you and I. He's a real person with real emotions. He has days where he's really excited and he's serving God with passion. And then he's got days where he's really upset and and he writes, you know, half the Psalms that that you read in the book of Psalms. And he he vents his anger and his frustration and sometimes his rage to God. He's this kind of all over the map personality. Uh, But he has a very real relationship with God. And so today we're going to look at uh, David and Saul, which is uh, a really fascinating story okay uh and and i just want you to know the the key to this message that i want you to get is that you often hear from god whether you realize it or not about things he wants you to either do or to not do and it is god speaking to you but a lot of times we're unaware of it so getting ready for this message uh i was thinking about back when i was in grade 10 so i was my son malachi's age And uh, I used to work at the the YMCA in Moncton, New Brunswick, and I was a gymnastics instructor, okay? So I used to teach gymnastics to kids, and I had done this a lot through my life. Like, I'd gone to gymnastics and uh, in the YMCA and worked up to the point where I was working there. And so I'd been there for a few years. But in grade 10, uh, I had a best friend who was not a Jesus follower, uh, and, and he got a job at the YMCA with me. We were best friends. And uh, we were halfway through. So the, the way that the gymnastics sessions worked is that you would go for about 13 weeks. So I would teach a group of kids every week for 13 weeks and lead them through kind of a level of gymnastics, teaching them things. I do that with my kids now. If you, if you follow me at all on social media, you see our kids do crazy things. Uh, I posted a video the other day of Malachi jumping off our roof onto the trampoline. It was pretty fun. So I still do a little bit of gymnastics instructing. Um, but this is back in grade 10. And so I was working there. And my friend who was working with me, we had, like, this problem with management, okay? And so I was really frustrated with management, and so was my friend. And my friend, who was pretty influential in my life at the time, he was upset enough that he said, well, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit this job, and I don't really care what they think, uh, but I'm done. And so we were about halfway through one of the sessions. And so we went to management, and we expressed our frustration, and just, you know, they weren't going to change, and so we said we are going to quit. And I remember... Management coming to me and saying, can, can you just finish this through? Like, if you quit now, you're going to leave us in a really difficult spot because we still have, you know, six or seven weeks left to go. Um, and so we know you're mad. We know you're upset. But can you just stick it out? Can you just finish this through for the sake of the kids that are in the class? Uh, and I thought, you know, that's probably the right thing to do. Um, but my friend and I, we got talking, and he was so mad. He's like, I don't care what they say. Look, we're going to prove a point. We're just going to quit. And so I joined him, and, and I quit. I, it was like... I just full stop was like, oh, I'm gonna do what he what he thinks and we're gonna go with this. But this story came to mind because I, I remember that, I remember that decision that I made. And I remember somebody close to me saying, Nathan, you know, that's not the right decision. Like, you know what the right thing to do is. And I did, I knew what the right thing to do was, but I listened to counsel that kind of said what I wanted to hear because you ever, and you don't have to put your hands up for this, but you ever just wanna kind of like stick it to the man, right? Where you just want to get back at someone where you want to prove a point and if you know that you can prove a point and do something even if it's like means you've got the wrong attitude you just kind of do it and you're like you feel a little bit justified you know and if, if that's if you've ever done that you've probably had people in your life that you know you can go to that'll tell you what you want to hear so that you'll do what you know you already want to do anyway anybody relate with that or am i the only awful person here today okay <laughs> so we do that right sometimes we do but But oftentimes, and this is what I want to say to you, and you're going to see this from the story, oftentimes when we're faced with a decision like that, we actually know what the right thing to do is. And and here's what I want you to be aware of, and you you might have picked it up from, from Kiva's story, but she just sensed God at work in her life, her whole life. And He is at work in your life, even now. He's speaking to you more now than you realize. And if our ears are open, we'll hear Him. But if we don't want to hear him, if we want to go and find out something else, you know, the, the kind of somebody tell us what we, we already want to hear, what we already are, you know, kind of have our hearts set on, we'll find that. But I, but I want you to know, God God is speaking, and, and we often know what it is he's, he's saying. And so uh, I'm going to read, uh, if you have a Bible, we usually have this on the screen, but uh, again, we don't have a screen, so if you want to follow along in this story, uh, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 24, if you have a... A Bible app on your phone, or if you brought an actual paper copy, uh, you can do that. And again, so I'm going to read, so James chapter four, this is not, I'm just going to read one verse from the book of James. James chapter four, verse 17. It's the, uh, the theme for today's message. And James four seventeen says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Okay. So if you know the right thing to do, and then you don't do that thing, that's what is uh, sinful. And we're going to find out in, in David's life. And again, David is this, this really colorful character. Okay? He's got great days. He's got bad days. Uh, but one thing that's consistent in David's life all the way through is he's got this relationship with God. So even when he steps out of line, even when he fails miserably, he's ma- he maintains this relationship with God. And that's why David was, was, was called a man after God's own heart. Because whenever God spoke to David, he would come back. Even after a big failure or a big mistake, his heart was soft towards God. And so where we're going to pick up the story, it's, it's 1 Samuel chapter 24. Uh, and, and you've got to know in this story, David, um, he's already killed Goliath, okay? So there's, that battle has already happened. And then the current king of Israel, Saul, became very jealous of David because Saul realized David was growing in popularity and, and Saul was afraid he was going to lose his kingdom to this new up-and-comer, okay, to, to David. And so Saul grows really jealous of David, and then Saul attempts to kill David. We talked about this. He actually tries to kill David uh, six times before David just flees for his life. Okay, so Saul throws spears at him. He sends assassins after David. So Saul's the king. He's the one that's like over Israel, but he's he's maniacal. He's evil. He's crazy, and he hates David. He's jealous because he realizes David is 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 the man God has chosen to lead the people. And, and so David's on the run. And while David was on the run, you need to know this, because we're, we're, we've skipped over this part of the story. David actually went and got uh, help from a group of priests in a place called Nob. Everybody say Nob? Nob. There's some weird Bible names, okay? Uh, Nob was this place. Uh, and David went and got help from a group of priests there. And Saul, this evil king, found out about it, and he just came and wiped them out. Eighty-five priests. He just... Killed them like he, this. That's kind of the, the, the kind of guy Saul is. Gives you a picture. Okay, so so David is the one. He's been chosen by God. Um, he already knows he's going to be the next king, and the and the king that's in place is is just doing all kinds of crazy and evil things. And and David is on the run, and this is where we're picking up the story. First Samuel twenty four says when Samuel or when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, "Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi." Then Saul took three thousand chosen men out of all Israel, and he went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. And you catch this part of the story. So David's hiding deep in a cave. Okay, So he knows the wilderness of En Gedi really well. He's on the run from Saul, and, and he's in the cave. And then Saul, it says Saul went in to relieve himself. Okay? So David, you got to just picture what's happening here. David is deep in a cave, hiding from this guy trying to kill him. And then the very man trying to kill him, goes into the cave looking for a place to relieve himself okay (laughs) so he was not just taking a pee okay saul was going in and he was going to unrobe and he was going to totally be exposed to relieve himself in this cave okay so david is in behind saul while this is happening what are the chances that that this guy that's on you know on the hunt for david comes into the very cave where david's hiding um to have a poo, it's okay? To say that yeah. in church. That's what David's going. Uh, that's what Saul's going to do. Okay. So Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, "Here is the day which the Lord said to you: Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you." Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe, and afterward David's heart struck him because he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into my hand in the cave, and some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hand. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it and plead my case and deliver me from your hand. And then... The, the chapter goes on to describe Saul hears David, and, and he's filled with remorse, okay? So when Saul gets outside of the cave, and, and David comes out after him and gets in a safe place, and he yells out to Saul and says, Saul, you see, I, I could have I could have killed you. you I, the opportunity was right in front of me, but I didn't do it. And then Saul is filled with remorse, and you can read the rest of the chapter. He feels bad for what he's done, and he says he's sorry. But this event, and we're not going to jump into this next week, so if you want to... Uh, Read this chapter in the next couple. I would encourage you to do so. This actually happens two times. There's two times while David is on the run. And you gotta, you got to just like put yourself in David's shoes for a minute. Da- David, he's been told when he was a little boy, he was anointed by Samuel, a prophet. Samuel said, you're going to be the next king. And then David goes on to fight Goliath and he's victorious. And all of Israel is singing his praises. He marries the king's daughter. Things are going really well. And then all of a sudden, Saul is just, he's after him. He's trying to kill him. And he's on the run. And you've got to imagine during that time of real darkness, while he's on the run, he's running through the wilderness, he's struggling with like, did God really speak to me? Did he say that I would be the king? But he's made this decision that he's going to honor God. And he says to, he says to Saul, I'm, I'm not going to take you out because that's between you and God. And Saul relents and says, sorry, but it happens again. Two chapters later, Saul again, is on the run chasing David. And David gets right up beside him when all of the men of Saul are asleep. And, and again, David's got somebody whispering in his ear and he's saying, just like we read about, he's like, look, God has given you the opportunity to take out Saul. And David refuses to do it. Even though there's all this really Christian God language used, David refuses to give in to temptation. He says, no, I'm going to trust God. So James chapter 4, verse 17 says, whoever knows the right thing to do, and fails to do it, it is sin. And I I was just getting ready for this this week and then then this morning, and and the thought that came into my heart was that there are some of us who are faced with a decision and we know the right thing to do, but we're tempted to do the opposite. Again, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'll bet you that a lot of us could relate with that, that there's things in our lives that we're faced with the temptation to do something that we just know... Like, we really want to do it, and, and if, we, if we looked hard enough, we could probably find somebody that would tell us, yeah, yeah, go ahead and do it. But we know in, the, in our heart of hearts that it's not what God wants. Or there's something that we, we don't want to do, but God's telling us to do, and there's this, there's this struggle. And, and what I want to really get across to us this morning is that God is speaking. If your ears are open, if your eyes are open, He's speaking. Here's, here's the warning. So I'm going to read you. There, there's two times, like I said, that David has this opportunity to kill Saul, this evil king. And, and two times, here's what people say to him. They say, just kill him. In uh, 1 Samuel 24, verse 4, one of David's close confidants, friends, he says, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him... As it shall seem good to you, he's got this guy. So David's, D- David's like faced with the opportunity to just take Saul out, and it's hard for you not to relate to that exact temptation because we don't live in times of warfare. Okay, most of us here, you know, don't go to war on a regular basis. We don't live in a time where there's uh, actual warfare like like David was living in. But for David, you've got to realize this was a huge temptation because Saul. I mean, he was this evil, maniacal king who had killed 85 priests of God. He was chasing David in the wilderness uh, unnecessarily, trying to, trying to kill him when he shouldn't have, have been doing that. And so, David, he gets, Saul comes into the cave to relieve himself, right, to have his, his poo. And, and David's, like, right-hand man says, look, this is the day God spoke of. God, God actually wants you to do this. If you take Saul out now, you can be the next king. And you've got to imagine that David is, t- is tempted to believe what his friend is whispering in his ear. He's even, his friend is even using Christianese God language to say, No, no, God wants you to do this. But in David's heart of hearts, he knew that this wasn't what God wanted to do. In the next story, and you can go on and read it, but I'll just read a verse from it. When this same uh, scenario happens again in chapter 26, David's friend Abishai, who's a close friend of David for many years, he says, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. And so David's got this like temptation to go and do this thing that he knows he should not do. And and here's what I want to ask us to reflect on. Okay, we're going to reflect on this and then I'm going to bring this to, to a close. We get the barbecues getting ready and we're going to be smelling the, the hamburgers and hot dogs. No, no, not the hamburgers, the hot dogs soon <laughs> and seeing the cake. Um, but I just want you to just, to, to just ponder this for a minute, okay? If, if there's a decision that you're faced with and you're tempted to do the thing that you know you should not do, I guarantee you it'll be easy to find someone who will tell you what you want to hear. It is so easy to find someone who will tell you what you want to hear. Right? So, are, is there is there something going on in your life where you're looking at images you know you shouldn't be looking at? Are you maybe harboring anger and bitterness in your heart? Is there a temptation to be unfaithful in a relationship in a marriage? You know, when when you're faced with some of these temptations and you go to the world, you will hear the advice of, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Like whatever the whatever makes you most happy. You know, pursue that, do that. The difference when, when you go to scripture and, and and if you read scripture and you're not challenged, I would I would say you're probably not reading it quite properly. When I read scripture, I'm actually challenged with the thinking that goes on in my head that's not in line with, with God's will. And so if you've got, you know, something that you're rusting, maybe it's maybe it is harboring bitterness. Maybe there's a temptation to be unfaithful in some way or to act out in anger or whatever it is. If there will be people in your life that will come alongside and pat you on the back, just like David experienced, that's like, yeah, just go ahead. You know, go, go do that thing. Give in to that bitterness. You know, that person, they shouldn't have done that to you anyway. And so, yeah, just nurse that anger, nurse that, that rage or whatever it is, right? Like, you, you will hear that. But what I would say to you is that all of us, we, we hear God more than we are aware of. Do you, you realize that? Like, he's at work. Even being in a service this morning, you, you hear Kiva share her testimony, and, and you hear Justin, he's reading the, the scripture, and you hear the, the lyrics that we're singing in songs, and, and a lot of that stuff will apply to your life if your eyes are open, if your ears are open, and, and God is speaking. But for most of us, we're not listening to the degree That we should. And so the difference with David, and one of the things I love about David's life is that, yes, he's flawed and he makes these horrible mistakes, but when he hears God, he he just calls out to God. He repents. He turns from sin and wickedness. But for a lot of us, if we're honest, we do the thing that we know is wrong. You know, I I don't share this very often. Um, My parents were here recently at Easter time. Both of them shared, my dad shared his testimony on a Sunday morning, uh, and my mom shared the next week. Uh, When I was about 18 years old, right around the time when my wife and I were going to get married, my parents were going through a really difficult time in their marriage. Like, difficult enough that uh, I remember having a conversation with my dad, who was a minister, okay, at the time. He he still is today, but he was a minister at the time. And they were actually thinking of separating permanently. And I remember having this conversation with my dad, and and he was just opening up to me about it. And I'm just about to get married, right? So that's... (laughs) you know, kind of encouraging, you're 18, and you're excited about marriage, and you're dreaming about what that's going to be, and then you've got kind of the main example in your life that's like modeling marriage, and they're like, yeah, this isn't great, and uh, might end it, right? And so I remember that conversation. It was really tough for me, hearing that, and and just kind of wrestling through the implications of that, what that meant, Um, but they just had made this decision that they were going to trust Jesus against what they desired in the moment, Uh, and, and today, it's 18 years later, they're still, they're still married. They love each other. Life has not been easy. They, they both, like all of us, are flawed people that have made this decision. I'm just going to trust in Jesus. But they were hearing, like, if, if, if my dad, at that time, wanted to hear the advice of, yeah, you probably should just go and end it, it would have been easy to find someone that would have said those words to him. But you know what I learned from that moment was that his desire... In, like, in a deep way was, like, to, to honor Jesus, even if it meant making a challenging or difficult decision. But how many of us, when we when we want to do something really bad that we know is off base, will look for the person that'll tell us exactly what it is we want to hear? David had it. He had people telling him, yeah, go ahead. God's given you Saul on a silver platter. Why not just end it now? You'll be the king. All of God's prophecies will come true. But David was like, no, I'm going to wait on God's time. I'm going to trust him. And for all of us, that's, that's what we've got to do. And so, this is how I want to bring this to a close. All of us have messed up, okay? I started with a story of a time where I did something that I knew that I shouldn't have done. Okay, we're all in that boat. Do you remember Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, okay? And this is like the high point of the Christian gospel. Jesus going to the cross is what means we can have a relationship with God because he, he died on the cross for all the times you and I gave in to the thing we shouldn't have given into. Every time we've messed up, every time we've made a mistake, Jesus took all of that on the cross. That's why He went. But do you remember in the garden before Jesus goes to the cross and, and He's in Gethsemane and He prays this, this famous prayer and He looks up to God and He says, God, is, is there another way? Is there another way that this could be done other than going to the cross? And then Jesus says these words. He says, yet not my will, but yours be done. He, Jesus is God in the flesh and he prayed, he said, God, not, not my will, because he was also, he's fully God, but he's fully man. He, he knows what it's like to have the exact same temptations and struggles and challenges that you and I have, except he never gave in to them. But even before, right before Jesus is about to go to the cross, he's wrestling through, there's the, like, the, the, the human aspect of it where he's wrestling through going to the cross, knowing there was going to be this, this like, evil coming upon him, this separation from God, this, the wickedness coming into his very being. And he's like, God, is there another way? But thank God... Jesus went to the cross for you and I. He went to the cross for every time you and I have failed and given in to something that we shouldn't have given in to. And that's why we have hope. That's, you know what it means to be a Jesus follower? It doesn't mean to be perfect. It doesn't mean to have your life all cleaned up. What it means is to know that Jesus did the thing that none of us could do. He, he lived this life of perfection. He went to the cross on our behalf. He died this brutal death. And he says, all who believe in me, all who put their faith in me, will be filled with my spirit, will be forgiven and made right with God. That's incredible. Like, that's that's the gospel. So if you're here today and you're like, oh, I'm feeling bad because I do things all the time that I shouldn't do. I always listen to advice that I shouldn't listen to. Well, there's hope. If, if there's like a, a sense of repentance in your heart or like a desire to change, like there's hope because of what Christ has done. But also, if you're here today and you're a Jesus follower and you're faced with some decisions, um, there's hope because... The scriptures teach that God actually fills us with his spirit and empowers us to do the right things. He empowers us to make the decisions that are actually in line with his will, even if we don't want to do those things. That's why we have the story of David. We see people who've lived their lives and they've had their failures and their flaws and they had this relationship with God because God's revealing to us what he's like. And he will empower you and I to do the thing that honors him and that pleases him. I'm going to invite the the team to come up we're going to close with a couple songs. I get pretty passionate when we're looking at Scripture. and So my goal all summer is to be shorter than normal uh, during the sermon time because we are outside and it's hot, and, and I know that it's it's warm. <laughs> so uh, thanks for being out here, um, and, and thanks for coming and, and gathering and worshiping and, and listening in. And, and my, my encouragement to you is if God is speaking to you about some of the things we talked about today, to act on it. So if you're somebody that hasn't surrendered your life to Christ, today's the day to do that. But if, you, if you're here and there's a decision that you're kind of wrestling with, you're back and forth on, and you know the right thing to do, you know really what God wants you to do, do you know that God actually tells us in the Scripture that He gives us His Holy Spirit to empower us to do what He desires? So as we sing these last couple songs, if there's that decision, if there's that thing you're wrestling with, and you know in your heart of hearts what God is asking of you, just even while we sing, just invite Him. Say, Lord, empower me with Your Holy Spirit to do the thing that honors You and pleases You. He desires to do that. Let's pray, and then we'll uh, we'll close with these couple songs, and then and then we will eat. Lord, thank You for today. Thank You for Your Word. Um, I just thank You for how Your Word is is real and applicable to our lives. We saw today in Your Word, David, this this servant of Yours, uh, who was faced with a decision that there was, there was something he wanted to do, there was something he was being told to do in his own will and desire, but he resisted it because he knew what you wanted. And Lord, you tell us in your word that you actually give us your spirit to enable us to do the thing that honors you and pleases you. And so Lord, would you do that today? Help us to be the kind of people that actually just wholeheartedly live for you. And Lord, if there's people here today, maybe they're hearing this message and, they, and they're listening going, I do things all the time that dishonor God. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would draw uh, those people into a relationship with with yourself, Jesus, you made a way for us imperfect people to be made right with God because of what you've done. And so, Lord, if there's someone here today that's that's hearing this and has not surrendered their life to you, Jesus, would you speak to them and make clear to them what it means to, to fully and wholeheartedly follow you? We love you, God. Uh, bless this neighborhood. Bless uh, bless these last couple songs we're going to sing, and uh, bless our time together today. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we have a couple.